0: Thank you for joining us again for our latest podcast on the end times. Now, the title of this message for this podcast is The Days of Noah. The Days of Noah will be in Matthew chapter 24 again. And I'm going to read verses 36 to 39. For that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So as the days of Noah, or the days of Noah. So let's go over our golden rule of Bible prophecy. When the plain sense of Scripture makes common sense, seek no other sense. But take every word at its primary literal meaning, unless the facts of the immediate context clearly indicate otherwise. Now before we get started, I want to talk about our church. We had a great Sunday yesterday. Today's Monday as I'm recording this. We had a great Sunday yesterday. We had a great attendance. Uh, we didn't have any visitors. We had basically all of our regulars there except maybe a couple of them. And uh, we know why they weren't there. They just couldn't make it, but so we're excited that the great attendance. We had a great service, just a great spirit in the service. It was just a lot of joy expressed. Uh, we had some fun. Uh, we were practicing for our, our Easter service and the choir. They, they had a lot of fun practicing for the Easter service, and we're excited about that, excited about the great family spirit, the unity in our church. And again, if you're in the Palm Coast area and you do not have a good Bible-believing church, I'd like to encourage you to come and visit us at at New Beginning Baptist Church of Palm Coast, Florida. You can find information about our, our location and times of services at our website. It's an easy website to remember, newbeginningbaptist.church. And again, I'm so thankful for how the Lord is providing for our church and just the great spirit to the unity, the fun, the happiness, the joy. That's all a part of our church. It's, rare, it's very rare you find that altogether together, in a church. And we've had that from the very beginning. I'm so thankful for that. So back to our podcast today on the end times, the days of Noah. In this message, we are continuing our look at question number two from Matthew chapter 24. And just to review, question number two can be subdivided into three sections. Tribulation in verses 9 to 31, the parable of the fig tree verses 32 to 35, and then where we are today as the days of Noah were in verses 36 to 44. And those verses discuss the circumstances of the earth at the Lord's second coming, along with a warning to be ready for his return. So let me read those verses again, Matthew 24, verses 36 to 39. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of no were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. In these verses, Jesus is continuing to answer question number two, what will be the sign of your coming? This answer was a mystery that God waited to reveal through Jesus. Remember, his coming is in two parts. Number one, the rapture where he meets us in the air. And he receives us to himself, and that second part is his second coming, which is completed at the end of the tribulation. Now, notice in verse 36, But of that day, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. When you reach verse 36 of the Olivet Discourse, you come upon a very important but often overlooked transition phrase, but of that day. Now, that phrase suggests a day that Jesus has already been speaking about earlier in the discourse, because he says that day. But we know from the context that Jesus has abruptly transitioned to speaking of something entirely new and different. He is not talking about that day in the sense of a moment he previously mentioned. Rather, he's talking about that day as in a specific and special day no one ever heard about before. So how do we know this? Jesus tells us as much. We know this because of what Jesus says about that day in the rest of verse 36. Jesus tells us he is talking about something they had not heard about before, and he or the prophets of old had not taught about before. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. In other words, this is a new day that he is telling them about. This is a new day. It's not one that they have heard about before, or one that they knew about before, though this is a new day he is telling about, and that no one has heard about this day before or knows about this day in any way. Jesus says this is a day that has no signs whatsoever, and in fact the day is so lacking in advance notice that not even he knows it. Jesus is saying there is an event in God's plan for the end times, a day he calls it, which has absolutely no advanced warning, no signs at all. That is what he says in verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. That's how we know Jesus is speaking about a new and different day rather than one of the events he has previously described based on his description of that day. Uh, Based on his description of that day, it cannot be anything he or anyone else has previously described. If it were to be, that would make Jesus a liar here in this passage when he tells them, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. All the previous events, whether destruction of the temple, or the end of the age, or even his return, have warning signs. But of that day, there will be no signs to anyone and no way to know it's coming. So that leads us to a question. So what is that day? So what is this day that Jesus wanted his disciples to be aware of? Though we cannot know when it is about to happen. Jesus calls this day the coming of the Son of Man, and obviously that phrase suggests the second coming of the Lord and the start of the kingdom. We're going to study this unique day in three parts as Jesus teaches us about it. First, we're going to learn the circumstances of this special day. Second, we are going to learn the details of the day itself, including who it is for and how it unfolds. And third, we are going to learn the purpose of the day or why it exists at all. We're not going over all this in this podcast. This will take another podcast or another message to complete. Now we start this we start in this podcast in verse thirty seven with the circumstances of that day. But as the days of no were so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus gives us a reference point from the story of Noah. Jesus says the circumstances surrounding this future day to come will, will be as or very similar to the days of Noah. Of course, the days of Noah is a reference back to the days prior to the flood that God sent to destroy the earth some four to 5,000 years ago. So what do we know about the days of Noah? Matthew twenty four thirty eight. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Jesus said it was a time when life felt normal to the world and and there was no sense of a coming doom. Jesus says people were eating, which implies they were planting and harvesting, which means they expected the normal routines of life to continue. Jesus also said they were drinking, which refers to the drinking at a party or a feast or, or other festive occasion where people celebrate daily life. That suggests people had no reason to worry or to panic. More than that, it implies debauchery and excess. In a world unafraid of God and unconcerned about coming judgment. Finally, Jesus says marriages were happening and marriage is an inherently optimistic choice. People marry because they are looking to the future, to a life together, to making a family, having a home, etc. So the world expected daily routines to continue. The world expected celebrations in life to continue and a future that would not change at the time that that day will occur. So verse 38 is very key to help us understand what that day is talking about. about. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. But as we know in Noah's day, these impressions were very wrong because the Lord had already determined to flood the earth after a period of waiting. God told Noah in Genesis chapter 6 that he would bring an end to all life on the earth in 120 years. And in the meantime, God directed Noah to use that time to construct an ark by which he could save himself and his family. So while the world assumed the future was bright, the reality was it was about to come crashing down suddenly. The world did not see this day coming, Matthew twenty four, thirty nine, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. In verse thirty nine Jesus says the world simply did not understand that a flood was coming to take them all away, even as they could see Noah preparing an ark. So the circumstances of the coming of the Lord in that day will be two things primarily first. There will be a complete lack of awareness by the unbelievers that a day of reckoning is coming for them. And secondly, the people of God will be aware of the fast-approaching judgment and will be prepared by God to escape it. Jesus reminds us that in Noah's day, people were living normal lives and were apparently optimistic about the future. They were oblivious to the approaching flood that would soon bring God's judgment down upon them. So that tells us the coming of the Lord will take place in an age when judgment is fast approaching, but the world apparently does not see it. Ironically, the Bible says the world should know better if they only had learned the lessons of Noah's flood. The world will mock the notion of a coming judgment and a coming Jesus. Second Peter 3, 3-7 Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? and perdition of ungodly men. Peter says that in the last days the world will mock the notion of a judgment day looming and even claim that Jesus will not return. But Peter says the world should remember the account of Noah and the flood. They should realize that if God could bring judgment upon the ungodly once without warning noticed by them, he can do it again and he will. God's people did know that a judgment was coming. Noah and his family did know that a judgment was coming, because God told them it was coming. They did not know the exact day and hour, but they knew enough to get prepared, and the Lord told them to prepare by building an ark. So while the world was oblivious to their fate, God's people were getting ready to escape judgment. Then right before the judgment waters came upon the earth, the people of God entered safely into the ark. This fact offers us another point of comparison. Believers today are unnoticed from the word of God that the end is coming for the world. We were given signs to watch for, and today we see these signs, so we should be preparing for our escape. Of course, God has not asked us to build an ark because God is not bringing another flood of water. Instead, we are called to prepare in other ways which Jesus explains later on in Matthew chapter 25. Now, the days of Noah were evil days. We know that the days of Noah were days of evil according to Genesis. Genesis chapter 6 tells us that in the days leading up to the flood, the world was utterly wicked and bent on self-destruction. Genesis describes those days in this way, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Genesis 6, 5. Every imagination of every human heart on earth was evil continually. That is quite the indictment. But even worse, the evil of the world may have included demons infiltrating and corrupting the human race in ways we can only imagine. Jude verse 6 tells us, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, He hath reserved an everlasting change under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Many believe this is a reference to what we read about in Genesis 6, 2-4. That the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. The term sons of God does refer to angelic beings in Job 1.6, Job 2.1, Job 38.7. But these are unfallen angelic beings that are faithfully serving God that are mentioned in Job. Many Bible teachers and preachers believe spirit beings, similar to angels or actual angels, infiltrated the human race before the flood with the goal of total contamination and corruption of the human line, and thus would make impossible the birth of a holy sinless redeemer for mankind. If this was the case, it was a brilliant plan. Corrupt the DNA of man so that no person was fully human, but that all had at least some of the corruption of the fallen angelic beings in their makeup so that a son of man could not be born as a redeemer. Other Bible teachers and preachers believe these verses in Genesis chapter 6 are in reference to Satan's plan for defeating God's people in Noah's day, and that was to entice the godly line of Seth, the sons of God, to mix with the ungodly line of Cain, the daughters of men, and thus abandon their devotion to the Lord, and in that way totally corrupt mankind. Either way, as a result of one or the other interpretations of these verses, The wickedness of the world was so great it necessitated a flood. There was no other way to fix the problem. The world needed a new beginning. The days of Noah were ungodly to an extreme and demonically influenced. Listen to Paul's description of what life on earth will be like in the days leading up to judgment. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, petty, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. 2 Timothy 3, 1-4 We can already see the evidence today that our world is heading in this direction and heading in this direction quite rapidly. Think about for a moment what Noah endured living in his time before the flood. When Noah walked into the local village to trade for supplies or materials, or when he visited the nearby well for water, he took a risk. He probably watched his back for an attack or had to constantly avert his eyes from gross immorality and immodesty. He probably slept with a weapon nearby and routinely had to run off thieves from his worksite. He and his sons maybe even set up a schedule where at least one of them would be awake at all times, guarding over their land, their homes, and the ark worksite. Noah lived in difficult times. And being righteous, he grieved over what he experienced and what he saw around him. And remember, Noah experienced this deteriorating world for a 120 years while he built the ark. When Noah focused his attention on the sad state of his world, I have no doubt he experienced worry and anxiety and frustration and anger. You probably experience these same feelings today, worrying over the world, becoming increasingly godless and evil. Perhaps there are days when you read the headlines and feel like going back to bed and throwing the covers up over your head and just giving up for the day. And I am sure there were days when Noah or his family felt a desire to lecture the world or fight against the depravity all around them. But that was not the mission God gave Noah. God did not ask Noah to fix the world. He told Noah he was going to destroy the world, which is why Noah needed an ark. And building that ark was not simply a matter of personal preservation. It was the way Noah would save the world. By building that ark, Noah would save his entire family and his family would ultimately repopulate the earth. And the ark would also save the animals without which human beings could not survive. So ironically, the way Noah could save the evil, wicked world was by building an ark in preparation for the destruction of the present world and a new beginning in a future world. There is a point I'd like to make here. Having right doctrine matters. Having right end times doctrine matters. That is extremely important. Right doctrine keeps our focus on the right things. Right doctrine, right end times doctrine, keeps us mission focused. It keeps us focused on the right things. It helps us to have the right priorities. We are not commanded to fix the world. Let me say that again. We are not commanded to fix the world. God is going to destroy the world. So why would he command us to fix the world? We are commanded to preach the gospel. We are commanded to teach and make disciples of many. We are not commanded to fix the world with a social gospel. We are commanded, we are commissioned to win the world to Christ with the saving knowledge of the gospel message. Right doctrine keeps us mission focused. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Right? Doctrine matters. Now, mission focus. Noah needed to remain mission focused. Noah needed to move his attention away from fixing the world and onto his mission of building the ark so that God could fix the world. Whatever Noah accomplished prior to that moment was nothing compared to his God-given mission. Would we even remember Noah's name if it were not for his God-given mission in building the ark? Noah had a God-given mission and the sad state of the world simply imparted greater urgency upon his work. He woke up each day and looked at the ark under construction, and he knew why he was getting out of bed that day. And when his eyes caught a glimpse of the world falling apart, it just motivated him to build faster, to work harder, to preach with more passion. We, too, need to remain mission-focused. We need to remain mission-focused. Our days are evil like Noah's were, so if you focus on the world's deterioration, then you too will feel isolated. You'll feel frightened. You'll feel hopeless. Imagine if Noah had put down his tools so he could catch up on past episodes of his favorite TV show. Or what if he threw his hands up in worry and decided the situation was hopeless? What if he just decided to wait it out, hoping that life would one day get back to normal? We need to come to terms with this fact. This is very important. We need to come to terms with this fact, if you have not yet, that when you live in the last days as we are, then there is no normal. We need to take our eyes off our crumbling world and fix them squarely on our mission, just as Noah focused on the ark. We need to remain mission-focused, laser-focused on our mission. Our mission is not to fix the world, especially since we know the Lord is going to destroy it and replace it with something better. We know judgment is around the corner because we have all seen the signs Jesus told us to expect. Our mission is to prepare people to escape this world and to enter a new and better world that is coming soon. We offer the world an ark, the ark of salvation through Jesus Christ. And when someone enters that ark by faith, they too are rescued. That is our mission. And when we turn our attention away from the world's troubles and onto that mission, We, too, find purpose. Our work may be hard, just as building that ark was likely the hardest thing Noah ever did. Planting a church is hard. It is the hardest thing I have ever done. This church is still being planted. If you're part of our church, you're part of that planting work. If you're supporting our church, you're part of that planting work. If you're praying for our church, you're part of that planting work. Starting something new is hard work. But every day when you can wake up knowing that the Lord is working through it and through you, if we stay on mission, we need to stay mission-focused. Stay focused on our great commission from the Lord. Stay focused on the gospel. Stay focused on having compassion on those that Jesus has compassion on. Stay focused on Jesus and the things he praises. As Paul said in Ephesians 5.16, we will be making the most of our time knowing that the days are evil, and that our days and the world's days are numbered if we stay mission-focused. Now let's look at some comparisons to Noah's day. We'll wind down this podcast and look at some circumstances of this coming day that Jesus mentions in our passage, with a final few comparisons to Noah's day. Matthew 24, 36-39 again. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of no were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that no entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Shortly before the Lord brought the flood on the earth, God told Noah it was time to enter the ark with his family and the animals. And the way that happens includes some interesting details that guide us and help us to figure out the interpretation of this passage here in Matthew. They all entered the same day, Genesis 7.13. In the self-same day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. Everyone entered the ark on the same day. And later in Genesis seven sixteen, the Lord himself closes the door of the ark. He seals everyone inside and prevents others from entering. So God sealed their salvation in the ark, guaranteeing their salvation's security. Even more interesting, Noah and his family and the animals waited in the ark for a full week before the flood started. They waited for seven days. Entry happened the full week prior to the start of the flood. Or entry happened for a period of seven days before the start of judgment. Genesis 7, 7. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Genesis seven ten, And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. For seven days, the family of Noah and the animals were safe, and then God brought judgment down on the earth. Both of these details tell us even more about the circumstances that will surround this mysterious future day called the coming of the Lord. First, just as Noah's family entered the ark prior to the flood, so will the coming of the Lord take place prior to God's judgment. As it says in 2 Peter 2.9, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation, and to reserve the unjust until the day of judgment to be punished. So our rescue will take place before the Lord moves to bring wrath and judgment to the earth. In fact, just as Noah's family was safely in the ark seven days before the flood, so will our rescue precede judgment by a period of seven. We know tribulation will be a seven-year period of wrath upon the whole earth, according to Daniel. And Paul tells us that the Lord will come from heaven to rescue the church from that wrath to come. So Noah's seven days sitting in the ark before the flood came is a picture of our rescue happening seven years or so prior to God's judgment. Then at the end of those seven years, Jesus returns to earth, causes mourning because he brings judgment. Also, remember the church returns with Jesus, so we are present at the judgment, though we are not caught up in it. That is also pictured by Noah, who witnessed the flood waters come on the earth while he was sitting safely in the ark. He was present at the judgment but not caught up in the judgment. Our future day will include all of God's family in the same moment. Just as everyone entered the ark in a single moment on the same day, so will our future day include all of God's family in the same moment. No believer will be left out because all experience the same rescue, and on that day the Lord will shut the door. The Lord will shut the door, so to speak, so that none of those rescued may be lost and no one else may enter in. This moment will be the dividing line for all humanity, just as Noah's Ark made clear who was being rescued and who was not. There will be two groups of humanity, those in the safety of Jesus and those left behind. And at that moment, there will be no going back, no exceptions, no appeals, and there will be no doubt that the Lord has protected his own. So, our conclusion like Noah, you and I are end times believers. Noah lived before the flood, we live before the fire. Noah spoke of coming rain, we speak of a coming rain, R E I G N. And just as it was in Noah's day, so it will be in the day of Jesus' coming. In the days of Noah, as we have already noted, Abnormal sexual practices abounded, Genesis 6-4. In our day, abnormal sexual practices abound. Things that were unthinkable a generation ago are now common practice. You even have mainstream churches now that condone, endorse, and even promote such things. We are indeed living in the last days. We read how that in Noah's day, the imagination of man was evil continually, Genesis 6-5. So God decided to lovingly put them out of their evil, wicked misery. So too, the imaginations of people's hearts are evil continually. Just look at the multi-billion dollar pornography industry for just one example of this. In Noah's day, violence filled the earth, Genesis 6:11). Well, in our day, violence fills the earth. Just today, another tragic school shooting. It's just unbearable. The the violence and the heartache you hear about day in and day out. In Noah's day, violence filled the earth. In our day, violence fills the earth. You can hardly go a day without hearing of some kind of horrific violence happening. In fact, it is hard not to get numb in your spirit from all of the violence we hear about. So let's stay on mission. Let's stay focused on Jesus. Let's do his will in our life. Let's do his will in our church's life. Let's seek to fill up the ark of Jesus' salvation through faith. Let's let this motivate us to get out the hope of the gospel message, to invite others to our church, and to seek to do all we can for Christ and his church. And again, if you are in the Palm Coast area, I'd like to invite you to our church so you can be a part of a true Bible-believing church that believes in the Lord Jesus, that makes much of his word and the Lord Jesus, that puts the emphasis on the Bible to compare Scripture with Scripture. We are a church that loves the Lord, that loves people. We are a united church, a joy-filled church. And I encourage you, if you're in the area, to please stop by and give us a visit. And again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast on The End Times.